0: His presence so rich and so real. It's full of love. It's completely transformational. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. What a beautiful privilege. His presence so rich and real. We're grateful for yours, happy that you're here. To all of our guests, thank you for being here. To the home folk that are here, we're happy that you are here in the house of the Lord celebrating with us on this holiday weekend. What a privilege it is at First Church to have the Alex Grana family with us. Alex's wife, Jacqueline, and their beautiful children, Wesley and Emerson, are with us today. They are from Steger, Illinois, where he has served there the past eight years as youth pastor. And we are thankful for their ministry, and their ministry is going to be a blessing to this ministry, First Church. Would you welcome Reverend Alex Grana as he comes to share the word of the Lord. just take a second and can we just worship
1: him in this place one more time i feel the presence so sweet in this place today lord we thank you god for being in this place today god lord we're so excited for what you've been doing in this place today god lord i believe god that you still have more in store for us today god so we just lift you up and we give you praise in this place today god lord we lift you up today jesus hallelujah lord thank you jesus I would like to thank Pastor Sheeran and the Littles for uh, having me here today. This is uh, a bit out of my comfort zone. Um, I've only spoke at another church one time, and that was probably seven years ago at uh, Jason's church when he was a pastor in Piedmont, and he never had me back, so I don't know if I did a bad job or what, but you know, I'm thankful to be here today. Um, and again, this is out of my comfort zone. I'm used to talking to about 15 or 20 teenagers, so if it's okay with you all. I'm going to treat this as such, because that's my comfort level, so I'm just going to try to be comfortable today with you all, if that's okay. Um, I'm going to be uh, starting out of Acts chapter 18, uh, verses 9 and 10, and again, uh, we are so thankful to be here. The worship today was awesome, felt the the presence of God in this place so strong. That's one thing when we do travel to different families, I'm so excited that, you know, they're in the church as well, because we get to go visit other churches, and, you know, just because... I'm not home doesn't mean I can't connect with God. And I was so excited for what uh, has happened so far in this place today. So Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10, it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. So I just want to title this sermon today, Simply Speak Up. Jesus, we're here, Lord God, and we call out on you today, God. We're so thankful for everything that you've done in this place today, God. Lord God, we just want to be enlightened by you today, today, God. Lord, just help us, God, as we move into your presence right now, Lord God. And just, Lord, I pray that, God, that we can just be connected to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I debated on talking about 4th of July uh, with it being a holiday weekend, and I decided, you know, I might as well, right? It's an important holiday that we celebrate. There are many traditions now that have come with that. I don't know what some of yours are, but some things that I've done in the past are we would go to maybe like a concert or a symphony where they would play patriotic music. Uh something else we like to do is, you know, throw a bunch of meat on the grill or barbecue or different things like that. I'm sure that's the same here as it is, you know, there. Another thing I like to do is I watch baseball. America's pastime, you know. It's like the most American day ever. Let's turn on a baseball game too. Or maybe you're like me too and you like the hot dog eating contest. I don't know if I have anybody in here that like that. Uh, you know, there's something highly entertaining and disturbing by seeing someone named Joey Chestnut try to eat 70 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I can't look away, yeah, but it's an interesting concept, right? We get so caught up in these different things and traditions, right? Oh, I almost forgot. I usually take a nap afterwards and then fireworks, right? You got to end with fireworks, right? But we get caught up in all these things because these are fun, entertaining things that we do. So in many ways, we forget why we have this day off, right? Or we just gloss over it. So I kind of looked into a little bit. Um, You know, just a little synopsis on the Revolutionary War and the Declaration of Independence. And one thing that I found that I'd never really heard before taught in any of my history classes or anything like that was that when the war was beginning in 1775, that most people didn't even really want their true independence. This was more of a battle over taxes, which I knew that, but I didn't realize that they didn't really want to become their own nation You know, when you see someone go to war over something like that, you would think that they want to become their own nation. But it was really just wanting to have a little bit of freedom. The people that wanted to really pull themselves completely away from Great Britain were considered extremists at that time. However, as the war began to rage on, about one year into it, people started to speak up and realize that you couldn't just have little freedoms, that they were going to have to fully pull away from Britain to be able to gain the freedoms that they were seeking. So in June 1776, Richard Henry Lee introduced a motion to Congress stating that the colonies should declare their independence. And as we know, it took a little bit more time. They grabbed five different people to help pull this document together, headlined by Thomas Jefferson. And they pulled this together, and in July 4th, 1776, that Declaration of Independence was signed by 56 men. These men that signed this declaration were brave men, they were men that were highly connected with Great Britain, probably had friends still family members still over there, and they had to make a decision: Are we going to just basically let these atrocities that were happening through the war and through the, the strictness that Britain was causing? Were they just going to let that go? were they going to or were they going to stand tall, and were they going to fight for freedom? These men decided to speak up. these men knew that by speaking up. They were pretty much giving up everything if the war was lost. Their families would probably be persecuted. They would, in fact, face death because they were committing treason by signing this document, pulling away from Great Britain. And again, these were rich men, wealthy men, people that you know were highly respected both in the colonies and in Britain. But they chose to make a stand. Today, we live in a world that really doesn't have very many values anymore. Or very morals. We live in a world that can't even tell us, you know, what a gender is anymore. I was on the phone the other day and I was filling out like a, a form virtually and they asked me if it was okay if they put me down as a male person. I was like, of course, yeah, that's biologically what I am, right? Um, we don't know, what, li- you know what, what life is or what's right, right? There are no absolutes. The world instead tells people to speak their truth and that their truth can be different from mine, and that's okay. The world doesn't want there to be absolutes. They don't want there to be any lines drawn in the sand of what is right and what's wrong. They want everything to be corrupt and everything to just kind of be okay. Another thing I was looking up when I was looking at this was how many religions are in the world. And according to Google, I didn't do that much research into this. There's 4,200 religions. And then I tried to look up how many gods there were. And in one search, I saw that there was 330 Hindu gods alone. So I would say there's hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of gods that people worship in the world today. So when we see things like that, we can understand why the world is confused. We can understand why there is so much heartache and so many things going on in this world. But we have to understand that we can make a difference, that we have the truth in our hands and that we have to rise up and understand that that's who we are. We live in a world that is hurting, a world that doesn't know where to turn because they turn 10 different directions and they'll be told 10 different things. That's why it's so important that we make sure that we speak up today. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18 says, and he said to them, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When we begin to speak the name Jesus into our lives, signs and wonders are to come after, right? Maybe today you have lost family members. I know I do. I've had my dad. He's been backslidden for a vast majority of my life, 25 years of my life. But when we speak the name of Jesus, I know that circumstances can change in his life. And the same can happen for you as well, right? Maybe you have lost friends that don't know any better. We speak Jesus and things can change in their life as well. When we speak Jesus into our lives these miracles will happen families can be restored sickness has to flee all by just speaking the name Jesus Going back to my first scripture in acts chapter 18 for context here We see that paul He would preach in front of different synagogues and he was trying to reach out to both the jews and the gentiles at this time but what began to happen was the jews started to kind of You know, make fun of him, slander him, and they would uh, talk blasphemous about the name of Jesus. So rather than be discouraged, what did Paul do? Because it would have been very easy for most of us. We would have probably just packed up, left, went somewhere else. He decided that he was just going to dust the dirt off his coat is basically the way the Bible says it. And he was just going to focus his attention onto the Gentiles. He wanted to make sure that his voice was still heard, even if the people that he originally intended it to be for weren't ready to listen and he didn't lose his ground there. That is something that I feel like happens to us as well in our lives. You know, we are so excited. We have a church service. We hear an awesome message about how we need to reach the lost. We need to save the lost. And then we go out. We have a few people that we want to target and maybe they don't hear our message or maybe they reject that message. When I was in high school, I knew I had a call on my life. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. But I decided that I was going to go to uh, Bible college, so didn't know where I was going to go at the time. It was still Gateway. I was looking at Gateway and Indiana Bible College, so I had to write a paper about what college I was going to go to, and it was something that everybody was doing. You know, they're writing to their, about their universities. It was like a uh, that intro thing that you have to write to go into college, right? And I remember when people started asking me, like, "Oh, you're going to go to U of I, University of Illinois? You're going to go to Illinois State? Are you Going to University of Chicago? Like where most people were applying, or DePaul?" I'm like, no, I'm gonna apply um, to Gateway and I'm gonna apply to Indiana Bible College and I'm gonna write my paper based off of Gateway because they actually have parameters around it. And after that, you know, I started kind of being ridiculed by friends, friends that I had known since I was six or seven years old. And that was okay. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I desired, but I knew what I needed to, to do. And no matter what they said, I was still gonna follow after Jesus. I was still gonna speak the name Jesus. So even though they came after me, I just realized, okay, I just need to continue on, you know, that person, move on from that one. They are not interested, move on to the next. And eventually, what happened was I had a friend, Joe. He was someone that, you know, came from a semi-rough home. So we usually didn't want to be home on the weekends. So what I started doing is we had a connection. We liked playing video games. We both liked football. We both liked basketball, these different things. So we had that connection there, and it started to where he would spend the night Friday, go home Saturday. But next thing you know, stay in the entire weekend. And with that would be coming to church with me. And when that happened, you know, being a teenager that I was, even though I felt a call on my life, you know, you go through stages where you're probably a little lukewarm. So I remember praying this prayer like, okay, God, Joe's coming to church. I know this is what you would want. You want me inviting people to church. But please Let's uh, keep the spirit, you know a little chill today. Don't want to scare him away, right? Don't don't want him to think i'm crazy or anything like that So this happened for a while And obviously it probably affected my relationship with god here because again I was trying to keep it as tame as possible and joe came to church with me for like three or four months straight And then what happened was it was our youth week So for us when we have youth week, I don't know if you do something like this here it starts on, like, Wednesday night, then we do Thursday night, then Friday night, and then Sunday, right? We take a break on Saturday. So we had this young preacher from Alaska, Josh Herring, in. And, and if any of you know who Josh Herring is, you know, some of the services that he has, uh, that he's involved in can get a little wild. And I remember, like, I didn't know who this guy was. And I'm like, God, just, you've been doing it good so far. Joe's still coming to church. He's in youth class, so he's hearing the word of God. And yet he hasn't been scared away. I was like, let's just keep that the same. I remember, you know, the service. I don't even remember what was preached, to be honest. I don't remember much about the service. But I remember as altar was happening, we were standing and Josh Herring just pointed at me. And I felt the presence of God on me so strong. And I just fell out right there. And I've never done that before and never done it since. And the presence of God just hit me. And I just remember looking up just a little bit later on the floor. And Joe's just like, what in the world is going on? Well, he continued to come to church with me after that, surprisingly, uh, and he ended up being filled with the Spirit while he was in service. And over time, things didn't work out the way I want because I wish I could tell you he's in church now. He has a ministry, this and that. We drifted apart. He ended up telling me the experiences was a little weird, right? And he would only come here and there. And, you know, since then, we've departed. He's in the Air Force, so he's all over the world. But what I do know is that he encountered God in that service. And through me being able to reach out to him, I believe someday we'll be able to talk someday. And he'll tell me like, there came a time in my life where I just, I remembered there were so many things going on, but I remembered that God touched me, that God was in that place. And that, you know, I pray that he seeks out after God. And that's the way it goes sometimes. My youth pastor told me a story about his um, friend that he had in high school. And what happened was. He would reach out to him. He would talk to him, And the guy would entertain it, but he wasn't super interested. And so eventually they lost contact, as it is. Uh, This was really probably the days before social media, the days before every single person had a cell phone. So you would just lose touch with people after high school. And he remembers walking into a rally, and that friend that he reached out to was there. And he's like, man, I was hoping I would run into you someday. He was like, those things that you talked to me about in high school, you know, they really stuck with me and there came a point in my life where I was broken and I was confused and I just remember the things that you you told me the things that you talked about in your testimony and that you know it was able to you know just bring me through and I was able to find a church. I remembered you know that you were Pentecostal so I looked that up and you know I was able to get saved and those are the things that can happen that we don't even realize so many times in our lives we want to see instant gratification especially in a day of social media I can look or just cell phone smartphones. I can look up you know, anything I want right now on my phone and have an answer in like 30 seconds. Drives my wife crazy because I'm okay being right, and I'm okay being wrong, but I hate not knowing. So we w- used to you know, hang out and do things, and I'd be like, oh, I think this is this person. She's like, no, that's that person. And then I'll pull my phone. And she's like, don't you dare touch your phone. And I'm like, okay. And then she'll run to the bathroom, and I'm like, good, figured it out. I was wrong, but it's okay. I was wrong. I don't care. I just needed to know what was going on. So a lot of times we take that into the way that we speak up about Jesus. We want to see instant gratification. We want to see our lost family members and friends saved instantly. We're like, God, I prayed. I interceded for them. I cried for them. Why aren't they getting this? And I've thought this myself. My uh, brother was able to go to Indiana Bible College, and a cool thing was that he was on their, their group there, and he was a guitar player. So every year... We knew my dad would at least come to that. It would be the only time he would be in church for the entire year, but we knew he would be there. And every year, he would pray back through. Every year, God would touch him so strong, and he would just surrender in that place, yet to just go back home and say, Oh, you know, I couldn't get to church today. You know, I got a little busy. Oh, I got called into work. You know, his priority is still at home. Weren't changed. But again, I know that he's felt that presence. I know he knows what is true. And I know that eventually God will work that out. We have to make sure today that we continue to speak up. We have to make sure, like Matthew chapter 22, verse 39 says, that it's, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I think that's a hard thing to do sometimes, right? People drive us crazy. I get super annoyed with different things all the time, right? But when we speak Jesus to the people we come in contact with, we have to remember to do it in love. And it's not about us. I think oftentimes when we're speaking out, we aren't seeing the results that we would like. So again, it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to become combative with people sometimes, right? Again, especially in a day and age of social media. I've seen so many arguments about different things, political stances, church things on social media. And it drives me crazy because you're not going to change anybody's mind there. We have to make sure that we come at it with love. We have to draw that line in the stand and know what right and wrong is. But again, we just come in with love. We have to make sure, again, that we avoid those confrontations, but we are standing strong. And I believe, too, that when we are speaking up and when we are in tune with God, that he'll point us in the right direction and show us how to reach out to these people that we never thought would even want to entertain the idea of who God is. I have a coworker. He's a Muslim and we have a lot in common. Um, This may make a few people upset, but we're a few, we're really big Chicago Cubs fans. So we would talk about that. We love Notre Dame football. We love the bears and we loved a lot of the same food. So we would talk about baseball, football and get really good food and just have great, conversations about, you know, nothing of importance. But one day, we're taking a walk, doing our normal thing, and he starts telling him about his religion and what he believes. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got Christian friends like you. He's like, I don't believe in three gods, though. You know, that's what he said to me, like, like you guys do. And I was like, whoa, easy, wait a minute, slow down there. I was like, I don't believe in three gods. And he's like, oh, well, what do you believe? And I'm like, did this guy just ask me what I believe? Like, let me jump right in there. So I was able to start talking about Jesus' name baptism and how we only believe in one God and that we believe that, you know, the spirit comes and lives with us in us and dwells in us and that we're spirit-led people. And I haven't seen any fruits of that labor yet, but the fact that I was able to share that with someone that I never thought would even be the remote possibility, especially, you know, how it is in workplaces today. You can't really talk about your religion. And when that door opened up, I was like, all right, I'm gonna take that. Another thing, I was playing golf last week with a friend that's been playing basketball with our church guys probably for like seven, eight years. But he's a pretty, he's a pretty crass guy, you know, says whatever he wants, whenever he wants, does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Never thought for a minute he would open up a door for me to start talking about God. And we've invited him to church, a couple things here and there, but just never really showed any interest. And he kind of looks at me randomly. We're on like the third tee and we're waiting for the uh, fairway to clear up even though neither one of us was probably gonna hit the fairway. <laughs> and he just looks at me, he's like, so are you Protestant or something? And I'm like, no, I said, I'm Pentecostal. He's like, is that like is people that speak in tongues? And I'm like, yeah. And so I started talking to him about that in Jesus' name, baptism, that we're spirit-led people. Again, same conversation. And he's like, oh yeah, he's like, you know, I actually kind of come from a background kind of like that. You know, he's like, I used to go to this convention where, you know, people would be laid up in the spirit and people would be speaking in tongues and this and that, and I'm like, I had no idea. And that's, you know, what will happen when we just let God take over, when we just live in a mindset where, God, okay, I need you to order my steps. I don't know how I'm going to reach out to this person, but I know that you can bring me there. And God will open up those doors for those conversations to be had. We have to make sure that we're ready. Um, There's a a minister, Jim Sleva, he's at Indiana Bible College. He talks about how he's always in a constant state of communication with God. And that's what I want to be in. I'm not there. I wish I was. I need to be there, though. But that's what we need to have. He's like, okay, God, what would you have me do today? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say to this person? And you know what? I went to him for advice several times. And it's like, sometimes I was like, he knew I was coming in. He knew what I was going to ask because he's already been praying about it. Like, you know, where are you going to lead me today? And that's how we can be, too, if we just let God take over and let God take control. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in the hearts to the Lord and whatsoever ye do in the word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Speaking out and speaking up isn't always with our voice. We've all heard the saying right? Actions speak louder than words Verse 17 is literally saying that christians are to do everything in word and deed in jesus name and that doesn't mean that we have to say The name Jesus every single time we do something right like i'm going to take a step in jesus name You know, we don't have to do that, but we're taking every step in jesus name We're going into every store. We're going into our workplace in jesus name We're going to see our family members. We're going to see people in jesus name. That's what we have to do today We have to lead by actions. We have to take action today It's very important that we follow after that today, especially in this world Because if we're not walking in jesus name if we're not going into places in jesus name and having that on us We're going to fall apart. The world is filled with lies. We talked about that today in youth class. We talked about fake news. And a lot of fake news has portions of validity to it, right? They don't just throw out 100% fake articles. It's like maybe 70% true, and that 30% is what twists you. And the devil does the same thing to us as well, right? We talked about that. The devil knows the scripture. He knows what it says. So he takes different things from the scripture, and he twists it. That's why it's important that we're spirit led. That's why it's important that we have those actions that we go after it. That's why it's important that we hide the Word of God in our heart. In everything we do, He has to be in it. And you know what else happens? People like to see Christians fall, they like to see them fail. Because we talk about different things, we talk about the love of God and how He's done different things in our life, but they're just waiting to see if you crack. Something for me that was a big issue for me as a younger adult and every once in a while I still have to watch it is I have an attitude problem when I play basketball sometimes. (laughs) I think other people have probably experienced that as well. Uh, Softball, same thing. So maybe just sports. Well, just sports, attitude, you know. And people wait to see how I react to a bad call or different things like that. And, you know, my pastor looked at me, he's like, I'm really proud of you. You kind of calm that down. He's like, you realize this is just more about fun. But in my head, like it's, it's, it's eating at me. But yeah, we have to make sure that we're in control over that, right? We have to make sure that people see us for who we are and who we are is people that have relationship with Jesus. Not someone that just talks about it and is fake, right? Because that's what people want. That's what people hope is that we're fake. They want to tear us apart. But we have to make sure that we're walking in Jesus' name, that we're walking with him. Also, we have to make sure that... Our expectations and our lives change once we are walking with God. When our faith is activated, that's when we see God move. I was talking to Jason about this earlier. I was like, we see so many great moves of God at camp meetings or youth conventions or Congress, different things, right? And what's the difference there? It's just expectation. It's just faith of the people walking into the door. I had a young person come up to me, and this is like Congress was like a year away. And he's like, Man, I remember the last con- Congress. It was so awesome. He's like, I just, I really need God in my life. So I can't wait till we get to that point <laughs> so that I can feel God that strong again because I've never felt him like that. And, you know, I probably won't feel him like that until I get there. And I just looked at him. I was like, You are setting expectations that God can't move in your own church because of your expectation, because of your faith. That's why it's so important that when we are spirit-led and when we receive the Holy Ghost and when we are just moving in his midst, that we come with the same expectation here in this building as we would to when we go to a camp meeting or a convention or a congress because the same God is in this place that is in those meetings there. The same God is overseas where we see the revivals and you know, people you know, being healed. Is here in this place if we would just raise our expectations god would move in a mighty way It's all about what we put into this relationship. God is ready to move. God is ready to work but do you believe If we would just Believe and he would just speak up god is ready to work in this place, right? The enemy too Is going to try to distract us as we are getting to these points in our life, right? Right Again, we've talked about it a little bit, discouragement, right? It's frustrating at times when we don't see things that happen. But another distraction that he puts in our life is things in our lives change, right? We go through different seasons. We go through different times where things are good, things are bad. So in those seasons, especially if a season of change is coming up, the devil likes to kind of sneak in and say, well, why would you do anything right now? You're leaving anyway or you're moving on, right? you know, uh, talking to a few people, it sounds like a lot of people are going to Bible college, right? I got a nep- uh, cousin, I call him a nephew cause he's y- way younger than me, but uh, he's going to Bible college and he, you know, got up and he did like one of those sermons that, you know, you guys do on your Wednesday nights. And he was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to Bible college. I can't wait for that. That's when my ministry is going to start. Yeah. And he said, but then he had to think about, it. he's like, why am I not doing anything right now in this place? This is the time that we need to be moving. It doesn't matter if you're moving on in a couple months. It doesn't matter if you feel like change is inevitable in your life. We have people that we come into contact right now that need Jesus, and we may be their only chance to hear what Jesus can do for them in their life. Uh, 2020 was pretty rough, probably for a lot of people. For me, I had the dream job. I was really happy. And every time in my life where things have gone really good, I'm working on this. I'm trying to get a little better. But I kind of get a little bit of a bigger head and like, okay, I did this. I got this job. Uh, I'm in sales, so, you know, it's a very results-driven position. You're always trying to be the best, right? And I got this job not being qualified. And when I got the job, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is the best thing. This was all you. But as I started hitting those sales numbers and, you know, commissions started coming, I'm like, man, I am so good at this. Like, this is my thing. I'm going to make President's Club this year. I'm going to go on vacation. My family's life is going to be changed from this, like, all because of the hard work that I put in. And God ripped that away. That happens, right, all the time. And so what ended up happening is I was furloughed for five months. I was down here for, like, two months hanging out at Jason's house in Popper Bluff at the time, just uh, playing golf three times a week. It wasn't a bad life. But... Uh, it wasn't what I needed in my life. And after a while, you know, the first two months were cool. But, you know, I started getting a little nervous about my job. I'm like, okay, you know, where am I going to go from here? Like, what happens if they stop furloughing us and lay us off? So I decided to take, a, you know, a self-demotion to a different position. Uh, the company I work for, they're uh, Centos, They do uniform deliveries. So I decided, you know what, I used to be a truck driver. I'm going to get back on a truck, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have a job, right? I'm going to do that. And... Um, So I did that for a while, and when I took that job, I let them know right away, like, hey, I'm taking this job, but this is only while COVID is running rampant, once once things are better, you know, God, I want you to basically, I want you guys to just put me in a better spot. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, 10 months, you'll be out of here, right? So what happened in my mind was I'm like, okay, 10 months and I can get my life back. That's what I thought. And in 10 months, you know, everything will be back to normal. Well, what ended up happening for me was I was just so focused on that 10 months that I wasn't even living in reality. I would come home, I would eat dinner, I would sit on the couch, I'd fall asleep on the couch and I would wake up and do the next you know the same thing the next day. And another time that was going another thing that was going on in my life at the time is we weren't really having youth class, which was another big portion of my like ministry, but because of COVID we weren't even really, you know, we were having one service and so it was very hard for me really to get my mind wrapped around anything else other than let me just get past this point in my life. So really I let things pass by and that's just not a way to live, right? We have to make sure that we are focused on the present, even if it's not a situation that we want to be in because, you know, God is putting us in these places for a time and a reason, right? And I learned a valuable lesson in that, that moment. And I was able again to reach out to different people on my job Eventually, after I kind of got past that mindset, and you know what ended up happening? That job, they promised me that they'd move me on 10 months later. You know, it's like, oh, well, let's give it another six months. And I, I remember being so frustrated and so like, what is going on in my life today? But next thing you know, the promotion that they had originally offered me that they pulled off the table, I wouldn't have even be, been able to do because I tore my Achilles like a week after they pulled the promotion. And I remember praying, God, like if this is not meant to be, don't let it happen. And then when he did that, I was really mad at him. (laughs) But again, God knew. And next thing you know, I'm back in the job that I was in previously, doing better than I have ever, you know, even did the year prior. And, you know, it's all because God's timing and plan. So that's why we have to make sure that we just continue to be spirit-led And then we continue to reach out to him and then we continue not to let the distractions of the enemy, you know, come at us. Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to distract us. He's going to try to upset us because we have our own plans and our own timing that we want to see things done. But God has a different plan and a different timing. And again, in those detours or those perceived detours that we have in our life, there are people in those detours that need Jesus. Super simple, right? We just need to make sure that we're reaching out to him today. And how can we withstand the attacks of the enemy? It's a simple, simple answer. We have to be willing to have a relationship with God. Brother Sheeran, yeah, you said that we get a chance to have relationship with him. But not everybody takes that up, right? You know, I didn't even really have a full understanding of what that even meant for years and years and years. We talked about this. I talked about this with Alex right before we were coming down. So many times in our lives, we have great encounters with God. We feel his presence in a service like here today. We feel his presence at a camp or a convention, and we're on these spiritual highs. And the second something goes wrong in our life, we're right back to where we were before, and maybe even worse. It's because we don't have a relationship. We don't have a foundation of what that encounter happened to, right? For me, again, in my life, I know I'm talking about myself here today, but... Usually when I come up with a sermon, it's because I need this in my life. So, uh, you know, I'm just using me here today. But what happened for me is I was telling them a little bit. I was 19 years old. Um, I had been working for a full time trying to save money to go to Bible college. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Didn't really have a firm idea of what God was calling me to do, but I knew it was something in the ministry. Ended up having a work injury, was out of work for 10 months which a 19-year-old with a lot of money and that he just saved up for a year with no bills, not a good good mix. And what ended up happening to me was I started falling into different things because I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew I was called. I knew I had great encounters with God, but I had never set a foundation of my life upon God. So I started falling into the wrong things, started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, I was telling uh, them as we were coming down, I said, on an Easter Sunday, Someone texted me at, like, 9 o'clock and was like, hey, I got Cubs tickets. you want to go? I was on the platform practicing choir, you know, doing choir practice. And I was just like, yep, got to go, guys. See you later. And nobody even noticed I was gone. And I was like, oh, I got away with it. So I was able to live this, like, double life. But eventually it started to catch up to me. You know, the body didn't start feeling right. You know, my mind was so just at, you know, I just couldn't think straight, right? You know, I couldn't figure out what I wanted in my life. The double life was starting to get to me. And it was either I need to just walk away from God or I need to really, you know, stand firm. It solidified that I went to a a night, I hung out with my friends, we did way too much and I woke up the next day feeling awful and I'm like, God, this isn't what I want. I promised you when I used to pray when I was 16, 17, 18, that I would never get into the party scene. I would never do these things. What has happened to me? How have I gotten into this? And God kind of pointed out different weaknesses, different temptations in my life. And he, you know, I made a declaration to him that day, like, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to have a relationship with you. God, I'm going go to uh, go to camp. I'm going to go to camp because camp was starting that week. I was like, I'm going to go to camp, and I'm just going to rededicate myself to you. And God, whatever you have for me that year, you know, that's what it'll be. And what ended up happening that summer was a life-changing summer. God called me to youth ministry. God called me to uh, Ghana, West Africa, to go on a mission trip where I met my wife. God uh, called me to Bible college where... I didn't stay as long as I would have liked, but I learned so many things in those moments because I started to build a foundation on him. And that's what we have to do today. We have to make sure that we are building a relationship with him over religion. Two people that I think about when I think about relationship over a religion in the Bible are Saul and David, right? Uh, Saul, he was a very good-looking man, right? First king of Israel. Everybody seemed to love him, but he didn't have a relationship with God he wanted to please the people so much he knew what he was supposed to do but because he wanted to be a people pleaser he would fall away from what god wanted him to do whereas we see david was a man after god's own heart and that's what the two main differences there david was a man after god and a man after a relationship where saul was came up in this religion but he never really embraced it as his own and it never became a relationship with him we have to make our own decisions today This is really all I have today. Why don't we just stand? I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Sheeran today. But why don't we just pray real quick? Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, for being in this place today, God. Lord, we thank you, God, for being here, Lord. We want, Lord God, to just have a relationship with you, God. We want to speak up, Lord God. We want to be, Lord God, vessels to be used by you, God. But I pray, Lord God, that we would just have that relationship, God. I pray, Lord God, that we would be spirit-led.